Welcome to another episode of Liverpool Adventures here at Hotel Tia. There's so much to talk about. I don't really know where to start. I just know that I've personally gone through one of the most frustrating, but at the same time, most uplifting weekends um, as a Liverpool supporter. I'll come back to why it was uplifting. But with me today, we had to bring in the one and only James Pierce. How are you today, James? I'm good, thank you. How are you? You okay? I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm, I'm very confused and angry and all that. But, you know, I'm very pleased that you're here. And then we have, as always, the shining knight in armour. <laughs> dressed in light blue. You love your light blue, don't you? I always love Dress in blue, yeah. Yeah. Always. Dress in blue. Always in blue. Red at heart. David Fairclough, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you very much, Ragnar. Nice to be here. Uh, where do we start? I mean, um, I was lucky enough to be in Sandefjord in Norway with uh, the Norwegian um, local supporters club Live Birds, uh, Sandefjord, together with Sammy Lee and uh, Keo from Boss Night. Um, and we were there doing an event and everything just looked perfect, you know, before the game. We had been dipping in the ocean, literally, cold swimming. We felt like a million dollars, so energized and buzzing. And it, it got even better when City dropped points. It was just a perfect serve. Um, if we beat Tottenham uh, that day, we would have set a new club record with 11 wins on the unbeaten, sorry, on the trot. We'd never ever lost uh, in the new Tottenham Stadium. It was just, you know, set for a perfect day of football, David. How, where were you? Uh, well, day? I watched it on television, but... Um I have to say, nobody could have uh, foreseen the drama and the uh, discussion that the game has ultimately um, produced. It's been amazing, uh, actually. I mean, I don't know whether or not we're all sick of it yet, but um, <laughs> it, it, it sort of looks like it's going to rumble on for a little while yet. There's no easy, there's no easy solution uh, or sort of outcome, I don't think. Certainly not one that can be done you know, promptly. I think uh, I will say it will run on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it will because people want people want this to be a line in the sand in terms of things changing. Because I think that that's been one of the one of the disappointing things for me in the fallout from the weekend is people think, well, Liverpool, why are Liverpool wanting special treatment? And it's like, well, they're not. No, <laughs> like no. The, at no point at no point of Liverpool ever said we don't accept the result. We want it to be replayed. That has never been under discussion. What they wanted was a full, transparent review that led to a change in the processes. And, and Liverpool as well were adamant that, yes, of course, the VAR, Darren England, has made a dreadful mistake. But this isn't, from their perspective, it's not just about him. This is about the whole protocol around VAR and why did it fail so miserably. And rather than, I think that's why they were angry at PGMOL, blaming it on like, well, it's just a, a human error. Let's all just yeah. move on. It's like, no, 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 that, that doesn't wash on this occasion because we've seen other mistakes this season but they've been kind of like subjective mistakes where it's like well, they've just kind of misjudged the situation. But offside isn't subjective. It's, it's either onside or he's offside. There's no grey area. And to get it so spectacularly wrong, and, you know, it, it, I mean, it's a shambles on a scale that we've not seen before. The fact that the VAR and the assistant VAR thought the goal had been given on the field. So that was why the check was so quick. Yeah, and no then, lines. So, we were all screaming, where are the lines? Where are the lines? Because yeah. we could all see it was onside. Yeah, but it, you know, it turned out he did draw the lines and established he was onside. But again, it's like the, the process is so wrong. The fact that you know, when they released the audio, and the audio was every bit as kind of cringeworthy as I think we probably all expected it to be. But the fact that 
the VAR said check complete. And it's like, what does that even like? Why are you not saying a goal or not a goal, offside, not offside? Yeah, that's it's the like, two commands they're oh, supposed it, to give. It's it's just, I mean, it's just such a basic thing. And then the other frustration is that again, when you listen to the audio, it's actually the VAR operator that picks up on the fact there's been this terrible error, and it and, and the game goes on for quite a while before Darren England and Dan Cook, who was the assistant VAR, seem to cotton on. And and you know in, in his ear they're saying well, well you know we need to stop the game we need to stop the game but it, it they freeze I think on you know the pure panic and obviously then the view is well the game's continued now too long to call a halt to it but you know and people say well you, once it's restarted you can't stop the game but that's the reality is if they'd realised we'd made a terrible cock up here said to Simon Huper on the pitch you have to stop this game. Nobody on the Monday or Tuesday this week would have been saying, ah, but you broke protocol. That's not the laws of the game. We'd have been saying common sense prevailed, well done to the officials, terrible cock up, but they put things right. But they actually made it worse, but with the way that they handled it. I think in some ways, I think Liverpool are doing the whole system, the whole system a favour to all, yeah. all the clubs by bringing this all to light. I have to say, you wonder what uh, England and the other guy were, were actually doing. Were, what were they, were they watching the golf or, you know? <laughs> Gone I to mean, the vending machine. <laughs> you know, and, and, and this could be happening week in, week out. Maybe some of the reasons why these decisions, you know, poor decisions have been made in the past. Are these guys totally concentrated and really up to sort of staring at TV screens and uh, and absorbing what's, what is going on? I mean, are they, you know, some of these people watching the race on some Saturday afternoons or whatever? <laughs> I mean, too much emphasis though has been putting on 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 VAR. I have to say, and the referee. I thought the referee was had a very poor game as well. Anyway, yeah, uh, and that's the thing because one thing is to do that horrendous error in itself, but that wasn't the only horrendous error. Mm. I mean, both the red cards shouldn't have been red cards in my eyes mm. uh, because if we look at if we look at Curtis Jones first, because these two cards absolutely, well they. And this is the thing, this is why I'm so uplifted, because as much as they, I was about to say, absolutely killed the game for us, they didn't, which is so impressive of the Reds, how it didn't kill the game with, with two, two down. But let's come back to that. But th- those two red cards, guys. Mm-hmm. If, if we look at uh, Curtis Jones first, um, he is going for the ball. The, ball uh, the, the foot rolls over the ball and then hit the guy. Why on earth is our ref on the pitch then sent to the screens to see this horrendous split second taken completely out of context? And it looks like a terrible tackle. Yeah, obviously the still photo didn't do Jones any favours. And, uh, and, and there's even um, the, the Jota book and the first book in, you know, I mean, you could see that there was, uh, you know, referees been a little bit too quick to uh, pull out the yellow. Liverpool, at the end of the day, got eight yellow cards, which is, I don't know, is that on, that's unheard of. Yeah. But Liverpool are not a team who have any history no. at all to, to warrant giving eight yellow cards out. And, um, I mean, they, they're one or two things I think have been missed. You know, some people I heard on radio yesterday, well, no blame can be attached to the referee. I thought the referee was very, very poor. And it wouldn't be the first time in the season I've thought that of uh, of this particular referee. And England, who is... Um, in the VAR, head supposed to be in charge of the VAR on the day. I mean, he's he, there are plenty of instances of him being sort of outed throughout the season. Plenty of teams have had, had um, reasons to um, to query 
his standard of refereeing. So personally, and, and you know, obviously we're, we've all listened to a lot of radio and chat and what have you about it. But I think, I mean, just by uh, maybe um, taking off these guys for a week, I don't think warrants any punishment whatsoever. I think I think England should be sacked personally. Yeah, because it's uh, too poorly. You know, you too, can do. It's yeah. it's too severe in, in in to my eyes. I mean, uh, I I think uh, you know, giving him sort of saying, well, you know, saying, well, he'd been taken off duty for for this weekend. I mean, well, that means nothing really. To, no. Yeah. To the me. other thing that needs to change is is absolutely ridiculous that Darren England, Dan Cook, the assistant VAR, and Michael Oliver, who's the fourth official, were on a jolly over in the United Arab Emirates on Thursday night, refereeing a domestic game over there, which is highly lucrative freelance work, essentially. And that was sanctioned by the FA and obviously agreed to by Howard Webb, the referee's chief. And that is just, why is that happening? And, you know, and we don't know whether that was a factor in it. You know, the travel, the fatigue. Apparently they got back into London some point on Friday, I know the PGMOL have said, well, yeah, but referees quite often will officiate in the Champions League or the Europa League and then come back and do Premier League on the weekend. But it's like, well, that's different because for a start, chances are those European games are much closer to home than going to the UAE. And and also that's a UEFA competition. This is this is just a paid jolly, essentially, yeah. to go and referee in the domestic game. So I know that's something that Liverpool feel very strongly about, that that should be part of this review, that that needs to change. Because, you know, it's... And I know people will say, well, hang on, there's a, also a potential conflict of interest when referees are going to the UAE with their links to you know, Manchester City, of course. So why would you even leave yourself open to that? You know, that, that shouldn't be allowed to happen. No. You know, if, you're, if you're a well-paid Premier League official and you're doing a game, on, you shouldn't be in the UAE collecting extra cash on a Thursday night. So, you know, that, that is another thing that has to change as well as the, the actual process of how they arrive at these decisions. Mm. And like, surely this has all got to lead as well to us being able to hear, you know, everyone watching on TV, even people in the stadium should be able to hear the conversations between the on-field referee and the VAR. It happens in rugby and, mm. and I don't understand why... I don't know, they always seem, I, don't know, they, I don't know why they seem so against it. I think because they're worried of how fans will react to hearing it but if you've got nothing to hide why not I actually think it would actually help referees in a, in a way because you would be able to you know at the moment there's all this suspicion of how have they reached that decision why the secretive nature of it but like but just just make it transparent make it so that everyone can hear what gets said well within rugby I mean you're led to understand that there's one man who makes the decision upstairs and he said so they go to TMO or whatever and then you hear the guy he says show me this Image, show me that image. Yeah. And there's one, there's one guy. There's no confusion. Yeah. There's no. no voices going back and forward asking, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, football has complicated the oh, uh, yeah, the whole yeah. system. I mean, you mentioned Sammy Lee uh, before, and, and there's not to. But we had a discussion a few weeks ago, myself and Sammy. Sammy's all for VAR. I mean, I'm not for VAR at all. And, oh, I mean, but he was so angry this weekend. <laughs> well, he, he's he's uh, he's all for VAR, and then put up a. Uh, Sort of a fight, to sort of say that. But this weekend, I mean, if if anybody had any doubts, I mean, it hasn't been for the betterment of football, I have to say. No, because um, I mean, VAR is taking away so much of the fun for us as supporters. I'm just talking solely now from a supporter perspective. You know how we can never sort of just get up there and celebrate because three seconds later we have to sit down again and wait and see if we can actually, you know, scream again or or just go quiet and. 
taking that away, that, that passion away from the fans, literally, it needs to at least then come to the fact that there are proper um, thought through professionalism behind those decisions stopping the game like that. And that's why it's just making me so mad when it's just a complete farce and it's just destroying the game rather than helping it. It, it makes the, look, the last four years look like I've been a waste of time really because yeah. this has come to a, uh, you know, as James said, a line in the sand where you say, well, okay, if we're going to continue with VAR, which will will be the case, then you put in place now different markers of of what how and what has to be the procedure. So uh, it's been it's been a terrible mess in, from the start. But as I say, I think we're probably doing you know the world of football a, a bit of a favour yeah. by by being involved in this and taking the stance. Some clubs, you know, I know a lot of other rival fans will turn around and say, "Oh, Liverpool again, making a you know making a big deal out of it." But by accepting it, maybe on Saturday would or Sunday would have been a very you know would have been very difficult for people to be, to just sort of say, "Well, okay, it happened." So let's move on human error which I think the PGMOL were expecting uh, to be the case uh, by prolonging it I think it does actually uh, bring it all you know so so you know very much into the into the spotlight I mean it's being discussed non-stop over here at the moment I just found it a bit strange how the the Spurs players celebrated as if they'd won Champions League mm, afterwards because it was quite embarrassing. And that was not the case with the, the Spurs fans who watched the mm. game with us. They all came up and said, listen, that was really poor refereeing. It's mm. not fun winning like this. It's not fun winning like this. That's no, the point. It's not. I, it's just not. It's not fair. I agree. Um, it, it, they did over-celebrate the, uh, the, the win. Um I have to say, it, it, it throws out some questions to, uh, about Tottenham, though, as well. I mean, they're not the real deal. I mean, they struggled for half an hour to beat nine men. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, there was no real... Uh, if I'd have been a Tottenham fan on Saturday, I think I'd like to have thought to myself, at the end of the day, we were, uh, you know, we made Liverpool look... Well, I mean, Liverpool played very well, but uh, they couldn't beat nine men. I mean, no. uh, lack of ideas, you know, no real... No real worrying moments for Liverpool until the uh, the own goal went in. And this this is a team who is in form. You know they haven't they haven't lost a game yet. They've they've drawn two and and now won five. Uh, so they should have done better. I, I and but at the same time I this is where it comes into to play. How I'm really proud as well. Two things. First of all, right after the game, being with so many other fans. Um, was really, really powerful. The first one who stood up and sang, Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool. Guess who that was? That was Sammy Lee, of course. <laughs> and everyone just followed. And then uh, the incredible um, support and togetherness after, you know? Everyone just lifted their heads and we celebrated as we won, you know? Because what a performance by the Reds, though, to be able to accept that stupid Jota... Uh, tackle uh, that sent him, sent him off, which was literally a result of an extremely frustrating, unfair yellow card. I get that. But except that, the professionalism, though, from our nine... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, that's why I think it was a real mix of emotions coming away from the game, because I was down there, and you could usually, when you lose a game in the last seconds, there's just, you know, people are absolutely distraught. And, and crestfallen and and also I think when you lose a game to another team that was in form 
sometimes it can be like a bit of a reality check and make you think, well, actually, you know, we're not quite as good as we thought we were. But it, it wasn't that feeling at all because, as you said, in the circumstances, it was such a good performance. Like Liverpool was so impressive with 11 men. Then they were defiant and resolute with 10. Should have been one the luck with 10 men. You know, the, obviously the Diaz goal wrongly chalked off. And then... Yeah, even even down to nine. I mean, you know, you're playing with a four-three-zero formation essentially, and they just they fought and worked so hard for each other. Um, and, and I checked, you know, the Opta stats said that you know Allison makes those two brilliant saves. I think from Madison and Son early in the second half, but he didn't have another save to make between I think it was the 58th minute and the 92nd minute when Richarlison had a shot, and in, you know, ultimately he's beaten by his own defender which you know, so unfortunate for oh, Joel Matip, who, again, was as good as any Liverpool player on the day in terms of putting his body on the line and being in the right place at the right time so often to to, to kind of snuff out Tottenham attack. So, yeah, despite... And like, do you know what? I genuinely didn't have a problem with Spurs celebrations just because I think when you win a game in the last minute, of course you're not going to care how you've done it. And I think also when you're in the stadium... They, you know, if you any Tottenham fan in the stadium, you weren't aware of just what had gone on with the Diaz disallowed goal because, as we know, fans in the stadium are completely in the dark. Yeah. There's no communication, and you know, and, and the Curtis Jones red card, is, I think, is incredibly harsh, but I can see why he sent him off because of the contact that he's made with his studs. Even though I think common sense tells you he's played the ball, he's slipped. There's no malicious intent. No. And the same with the Jota one. The first yellow is absolutely ridiculous. But again, when you've picked up a yellow card, you've got to be so careful. Yeah. And Jota was his own worst enemy diving in like that. What was it? Ninety seconds after he'd already got a yellow. So but he was angry. He was fuming. Yeah. That's why. But you've got to control. You've got to I control know. those no, emotions. There is no uh, excuse. Me. He was stupid. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. He did. Yeah. But I think I think where the difference is sometimes, you know, when you suffer a defeat like that, you think, how is he going to pick them up from that? But I don't think that would be a problem because. You know, the, the, there was so much to be proud of. Yeah. And as you said, you only had to look at the reaction of the way end afterwards and the way that the players responded to the fans' show of support, that it was like, I don't think that's going to dent anyone's belief in what this Liverpool team can do this season. No, I think it's the opposite. Mm. Isn't it filling you with a lot of pride how they did that? Yeah, they, they did. Uh, there was a great t- togetherness. And obviously, there was a shot of Jurgen with the, you know, drawing the big. Sort of heart sort of thing, and and I think that's maybe symptomatic of the spirit that exists throughout the group. Um, you got shots of um, on the TV coverage of people like Nunes, disappointed obviously not to have played, but one one or two others. I mean, there is a very strong bond you sense within the, within the group, and and they know they're capable of uh, of actually running City close. I mean, Liverpool hadn't been in many people's uh, thoughts. Um, before you know the the season started, but I think the signs that we've seen from Liverpool already indicate that they they're gonna um, they're gonna be a threat this year. It could be uh, could be a really outstanding season. Yeah, I think the togetherness and that that fight to to the will to fight and that that professionalism this this side is showing after such a short time playing together is really really uplifting i mean just think about the newcastle comeback you know we've had a couple of really strong comebacks already and we've mm. and it's the third time in 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 four rounds we're, we're getting red cards which yeah. is just yeah it's a it's bit, a bit it's a big contrast as well to you know this time last year where you know you think too often especially in the first two thirds of last season 
when Liverpool's backs were against the wall, they, they folded so often, especially away from home. They were so timid and meek and and so easy to, to play through. And the lack of fight at times, you think of some of the away performances at you know, places like Brentford and, and Forest and Brighton and Wolves, you know, there, there were so many. Uh, yeah, Bournemouth, I mean, Bournemouth <laughs> was absolutely... Woeful. Yeah, yeah, you know, what was that, six days after thrashing Manchester United? United. So it was, yeah, yeah. There was this erratic nature to Liverpool that was just infuriating. And, and it is amazing how quickly that mentality has been rebuilt, and especially off the back of losing so many big personalities in that dressing room, because although we all knew that the squad desperately needed a refresh, I must admit in the summer I thought, well, actually, it's, it's quite a big ask trying to replace not so much the talent of some of those players who went, because a lot of them were past their best, but more what they brought in terms of leadership and camaraderie and that kind of thing with, so, you know, you lose your captain and your vice-captain, which is rare for that to happen in the same in the same summer with Henderson and Milner, you know, Firmino was, was a big figure in that dressing room as well. Um, Fabino. So, um, but yeah, new leaders have emerged with, you know, Van Dijk, I think has really put his stamp on the captaincy already. Trent has stepped up as vice captain. And I think it helps as well when you've got, you know, McAllister and Zabozlai have just been an absolute breath of fresh air in Ooh, terms yes. of walking into that dressing room. And I think it's not even, there's like the injection of quality that they give you, but also, it's what it does for everyone else as well. I think you look at someone like Mo Salah, who I thought was, was brilliant again at Tottenham. And it's like, you can see he's energised by the new guys coming in and, and giving everything a lift. I was so impressed by, by his attitude in the game too, how he got a yellow card just from winning the ball oh, that's, back. That was ridiculous. <laughs> it was another said, one like, that was Simon like, Ho- It does feel like Simon Hooper's almost got away scot-free <laughs> with just, because it was like Darren England was like on a different planet bad. <laughs> It's kind of been overlooked just how bad Simon Cooper yeah, was. Yeah, because yeah. that in itself... Left, he hasn't been left off. Like, he's got no, a game. Well, he was on the uh, the sidelines yeah, for the Fulham game. Yeah. <laughs> and where we maybe maybe we were robbed a penalty too. There was just too many things, you know, with that Gomez situation. It was just too many things. Mm. It was just too crazy. Uh, but, guys, let's move on because we know that this team can, can go to war for each other, which I absolutely love. And, and I am so looking forward to the rest of the season now. And the first thing we've got coming up is the Europa League. Um, what do you guys think of our group and how will we do? Well, I think uh, it was a it was a relatively simple start. I mean, the group on uh, you know on paper basically looks you know uh, we've had we've been dealt a good deal. Yeah. I think uh, Lask, while we should have given them a gold start, it was never really in doubt that we'd be strong enough ultimately uh, once we got ourselves going, and and that has been a little bit of a theme that has run through performances for for a while now but um once Liverpool got going I, th- I never thought that was in doubt and I, I don't really expect any of this group to to cause too many problems um I played in Belgium some years ago and since Gilwa I mean has been meteoric re- well I mean it's Belgian football at the end of the day but they were they were like non-league when, right. when I was in Belgium I mean it's, it is a while ago but they've done very well this side to uh, to ultimately get into a European competition and uh, it'll be a huge experience for them to come to Anfield on Thursday night and um, uh, but it's not going to be a, a, a game that's going to I think cause too many uh, worries for Liverpool I mean and the nice thing that I thought about the uh, the team that started against Lask it didn't look that weak actually or oh, and even the team that we played against Leicester uh, the you know 
so-called so sort of second string or the guys who were just on the edge of the uh, the first team um, looked very quite strong. So I think the fact that's going to hold us in good stead, I think. I think the, se the team that goes out against uh, Union on Thursday will be uh, relatively strong and should be, you know, we, we should progress quite comfortably in this Europa League, I think. Yeah, I think I think the one the only thing is you you have to bear in mind is as we saw with Lask in the first game is the, the Liverpool have got three relatively small opponents, but it means so much to them facing Liverpool because the atmosphere over there in Lask was was absolutely brilliant. Like that was I I went and I spent some time with their chairman earlier on in the day, and he was saying this is the biggest day in our history, and I'm sure that will be the same for the Belgians, you know, th this week and when Liverpool go there and. And obviously Toulouse as well. So that's the only thing you have to be wary of, you, because these teams are, will be absolutely bang up for it. But yeah, it's a kind group. I mean, it does. When you get a group like that, it does hit home the difference between being in the Champions League and not being in it. Um, but it does give Klopp the chance to rotate and use the depth of the squad. And he's got, as David said, the squad is strong, and he's got a lot of players that need a game. Um, you know, Joan, Curtis Jones and Jota because they're banned for for Brighton. They're pretty much nailed on, I'd say, to start the game. You know, you've got, you know, Simicus needs another game. Trent probably needs the minutes, having only just made his comeback off the bench at Tottenham. You'd imagine that Canate would come back into the team. Endo, you know, can he hopefully kick on from the performance he produced in the Carabao Cup against Leicester? Harvey Elliott needs a game. Ben Doak, right wing. I think they see the Europa League as a great platform for him. So, like, I mean, that's not a bad team, is it? No, um... And you used to say about these sides are going to be big days for them, but ultimately, and you see this against Leicester and also West Ham, and ultimately it's 60 and 75, you know, 70 minutes. These teams aren't able to sustain yeah. the, the thing. So the strength will ultimately be uh, too much, I think. We, we, you know, you might get the odd little scare in, in these games, um, but I don't think it did. any of them are going to be really good enough to sustain that for 90 minutes. And particularly at Anfield, the home game should be, you know, quite sort of a big effort. You know, it's going to, you know, they're going to need big efforts from uh, Toulouse and yeah. Union and, and Lask when they come here. And I think he'll have, he'll have the Brighton game in the back of his mind as well, because that is a really tricky last game going into the October international break. You know, Brighton will be smarting from the absolute hiding they got at the hands of Aston Villa. So... I, I do think it just makes sense to... I wouldn't have Virgil van Dijk near that team on Thursday night or Sabozlai, you know, or Salah, you'd give him the night off, I think. Be he doesn't that, want the night off. No, he That's won't do. Thing. I mean, I don't think Sabozlai won't either, you know, the, knowing his mentality. But, I mean, Alexis McAllister is an interesting one because, of course, he'd be mm. up against his brother. <gasps> Kevin plays for, for Union. So um, I'm sure he'll be desperate to be involved. But I think that'll be interesting to see how Klopp plays that because I think part of him will be thinking, OK, but... I really, really do need to count on you going back to your old club at Brighton on Sunday. And there's something about those European nights, no matter if it's a Champions League or a Europa League, it's just being under that floodlight and just playing teams you don't normally play and, and allowing a lot of more locals and kids to come in as well because it's not that pressure of Champions League. And, and actually, if, if you do uh, dream of some floodlight football and coming to Liverpool on a little spontaneous trip before Christmas, you can go to liverpooladventures.com because we actually do have some... some uh, football packages there available with obviously staying here with us at Hotel Tia and then Liverpool Adventures um, sorting you some, some beautiful um, tickets for the game. So that's something to do. Um, that also actually counts for, believe it or not, Nottingham Forest and um, 
And what is it? Is it Brentford or Burnley? We do Brentford before Christmas. Yeah, I always mix them up. Yeah. So those two, there are some availability there. So get in touch if you want to come and, uh, and watch the football and celebrate hopefully afterwards with us. Um, and we have to say, Jürgen Klopp, there's only one, there's only one uh, trophy he hasn't won. So maybe this is the year where we uh, clinched the Europa Cup. I know uh, a Europa lot of people are already planning their Cup. trips to Dublin. Uh, <laughs> maybe a little bit uh, early to premature to be to be doing that. I think having watched the Champions League last night and and seeing there'll, there'll be a couple of strong teams come into the Europa League down you know down the way who who obviously get knocked out of the Champions League. So we shouldn't think it's a uh, a given. Uh, I mean, it's a great target to have, and it would be nice for Jurgen to cap, you know, you know, complete the set, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that it's that thing, isn't it? When after you get through the initial disappointment and missing out on the Champions League that we've become used to for so long, and you think, oh, you know, the Europa. But then once you actually get into it, you embrace it and think, well, actually, yeah, it is worth winning. And you, and you think about Liverpool have had some amazing nights in the Europa League over the years. You, you think back to the one against Dortmund yeah. that kind of ignited the clock rain really in oh, terms of everything that Liverpool have gone on to achieve since and you know one of my best nights probably as Liverpool fan would have been the Alaves final in 2001 seeing seeing Liverpool win, win that which would be regarded as probably one of the greatest European finals ever but for what happened a few years later in Istanbul so so yeah it's not it's not where you want to be but I think when you're there you've got to like you've got to embrace it and I think the good thing is it doesn't fit, sometimes when you're in the Europa League it can feel like a bit of a grind the Thursday Sunday because because you play so many times on a Sunday, you're playing catch up with a lot of teams have been playing on a Saturday. But I think Liverpool at the, at the moment, touch wood, you know, with the injury situation relatively kind, you know, they they there's no reason why they can't progress in Europe and it won't have a detrimental impact on on the Premier League form. James, you are now off to uh, the press conference at Anfield. Uh, have you prepared something special for Jürgen this time? Maybe <laughs> no. a loaf of bread or some flowers or a little bottle of wine? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think, I think there'll be a long queue to ask him questions today with, um, with the events of the last kind of 72 hours off the back of Tottenham. So, uh, yeah, one of those strange ones where, you know, I'm not sure the game itself will get too much of a mention in the press conference because um, I think there'll be a lot of VAR talk and, and whether it'd be interesting to see whether he is happy with how PGMOL have handled it and also you know what he wants to see change going forward because as we said this isn't just about railing against what happened to Liverpool this is about trying to make sure that the system improves so that what happened on Saturday never happens again. That is the perfect last word. Uh, thank you so much, James Pierce, for uh, popping into Hotel Tia before you're off to Anfield in the press conference. And thank you for driving all the way from Formby, mm-hmm. David Fairclough. And my name is Ragnhild Lund Ansnes, or Ragnhild. It's probably easier in English or whatever, 1-0. Um, we'll be back before you know it. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Bye-bye.